Is Jesus your Lord or not? And here you are, and, and, and he knows this happened. He might even allowed this to happen in your life, and yet you're, you're getting mad at him, and you're angry with everybody else around you. You're just a mess. You're like a mini tornado. Have you been like that? I know I have. But it's in those times that I need to be aware of God's presence and saying, Lord, what are you trying to do through this? Help me to get around this. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus said, This sickness is not unto death. Lazarus was already dead when he said this, but he knew the end result would be the glory of God, not death. Jesus also knew that the events recorded in this chapter would set the religious leaders in determination to kill him. This meant the end result would be that the Son of God may be glorified in his death and resurrection. We also learn, as we go on, that Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters Even though this was a test of their faith, it didn't diminish Jesus' love for them. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. I have got nothing in me. The tank is empty. You stand, or you get someplace, you go in and drive in your car, put on the music, you worship, you do whatever you got to do, and you worship him because he's worthy, not because I feel like it. Because when I worship because of my feelings at the time, what am I really worshiping? I'm really not worshiping Jesus necessarily necessarily. But oh, how he smiles. And, and see, we think that God's going to accept it if I'm feeling good about it. I'm singing and the birds are singing and the choir is in tune and the guitars are in tune and everything. And the Spirit of God is moving and just like, you're just like, you know, you just feel like a wave in a pool. You're just like, oh, I'm just kind of being bathed and rocked to sleep like a baby. Those times are wonderful. And they are worship, there's no doubt. But when I am at the end of myself, I don't feel like it. Would you challenge yourself to worship him anyway? And you'll find if you just open your mouth and the devil will say, well, you're just a hypocrite. You don't really feel like it. You can say, you can go away. Because he is worthy regardless of my feelings, regardless of my circumstances. I'm going to worship him because he is worthy to receive it, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of how I feel about it. Follow me? Try it. It's not easy, but let me tell you this, that once you do that, you'll find yourself, your whole attitude will start to change. After you've gotten over your pity party inside and you actually do it, you'll find that you're actually engaging and you're like, oh God, that's exactly what I needed. I needed to get out of myself. I needed to stop looking at me. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) When I stop looking at myself and I start looking at him, boy, everything turns around. All of a sudden, my attitude is so much better. 
So notice in verse 3, he goes on and he says, Therefore the sisters, Mary and Martha, they sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, because Jesus was probably in Bethabara, which is in a different location, probably in Transjordan area. And now the sisters send to him from Bethany, and they say, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And this word Lord is the, 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 the Greek word kyrios, which means master, supreme master. So they're honoring him. They're saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And I find it interesting that Lazarus' sister, Martha and Mary, they called Jesus Lord, and yet, not, and yet some of his disciples, and specifically Judas, never called him Lord. And yet these two women, who weren't part of his disciples and, and, and apostles in a sense, here they are calling him Lord. And women, for some reason, women seem to have this spiritual bent to them already. They're they're just such a gentleness, and it's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad for the differences between the sexes, male and female. But guys, let me exhort you. Women have this, you know, it's very easy for them to be spiritual in a sense, but it can be a little more challenging for us. But don't let that be your excuse. Real men love Jesus. Real men are serious about prayer. Real men are serious about character and integrity, morals, Bible study, and being obedient. And they don't just cave in to whatever the other guys are laughing about or doing. And that's a real challenge to us, guys. We have to break through the stereotype of men and realize that real men are, is what I just described. A real man can cry. A real man loves Christ. A real man goes to Bible study. A real man goes to prayer meetings. A real man is sensitive to his wife. The world has sold us a bill of goods, guys, saying that a man has to be the guy with the gun, with the pickup truck, with the dog in the back seat, drooling all over it, drinking a beer, looking at women as he drives by. That's the stereotype of a man in America. And let me suggest to you, that stereotype is wrong. It's wrong. Don't buy into it. It's a cultural thing. You have to discard it. Get rid of it. Be a man of God. A real man loves Christ. A real man surrenders his life to Jesus, is obedient, and is faithful to his wife, to his kids. A real man is faithful to Christ. And all this other nonsense, flush it. Flush it, guys. Don't allow your wife to be the spiritual head in your family. She'll take that. She'll be the spiritual head if you're not. So you better wake up. Guys, let's do it. Is it easy? It is not easy. But God has called us to be the leaders in our home. It doesn't mean that we're better. Your wife may do it a lot better, but he hasn't called your wife to do that. She's got other responsibilities, other things that God has called her to do, but he's called you to be the head and not the tail. It's time that men rise up in the church, in this culture in America, but especially in the church. Verse 4, it says, when, these, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. And this is where we're going to park for the most of our time this morning here. Because most people, when they get sick or become terminally ill, they, they think to themselves that they're done, they're finished, game over, my work is done. And, and that is not true for the believer. In fact, it's sometimes, as I said earlier, it's in our sickness, in our malady or difficult circumstances that God can be the most glorified in our life. So how is it that God might receive glory? 
How can he receive glory? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let me read something to you. You can write these down, these scripture references. You can look at them later, but let me read them to you. Paul knew something about this. He said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, I'm, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. There it is, right there. My strength, how can God be glorified? My strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul said, Most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For what reason? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul understood this. And it's something that I'm continually, continually learning, and we need to learn as well. And to continue to learn this idea that, you know, when things go, how is God glorified in my life through these things? When I am weak, is he strong? Or am I throwing myself on the ground with a tantrum? And everybody's looking at me, my family and friends going, man, he is a, he's just a, I thought you knew Jesus. You look like a, a, a spoiled, rotten kid at Walmart. What's the matter with you? Is Jesus your Lord or not? And here you are, and, and, and he knows this happened. He might even allowed this to happen in your life, and yet you're, you're getting mad at him, and you're angry with everybody else around you. You're just a mess. You're like a mini tornado. Have you been like that? I know I have. But it's in those times that I need to be aware of God's presence and saying, Lord, what are you trying to do through this? Help me to get around this. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4, Paul says, For though he was, speaking of Jesus, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. I love that. So now Jesus receives the glory, not me. You see, when God's grace is at work, we can be in great pain, discouragement, and yet not complain and still trust the Lord, even in the most difficult of times. And don't give up. Don't give up. I just had lunch with Steve Spazano this last Friday, and we were sitting talking. And pray for him. He's in the process of, he's probably, they're going to have to amputate his finger because of uh, gangrene. He's a, he's a diabetic, as you know, and so he... It's looking very possibly that they're going to have to amputate that hand, or not the hand, but the finger, and that's going to change things for him. And he's had to deal with this whole thing about the things that have come upon him and his sickness and how it's kind of taken him away from the things that he loves the most, which is being out witnessing into the, into the community. That's what he and some other gentleman with him did. But now, you know, Steve is approaching this thing with such a wonderful, in a wonderful way. He's like, you know, I'm not going to pout about it. He says, I need to, I need to find, well, Lord, what can I do now you know, that I'm in this place? You called me to be here. I'm here, and you've allowed this to happen in my life. What can I, how can I serve you? How can I, be, how can I glorify you in spite of my physical limitations? And I tell you, the guy is amazing. Had a great time of fellowship with him last Friday. For a couple hours, we just sat there and talked about the Lord and ate lunch together. It was wonderful. And the Lord is not done with him. The Lord has made promises to him. So don't give up. And know that we walk, that we need to walk circumspectly. What does it tell us in Ephesians? It says, See then that you walk 
circumspectly, which means carefully, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, people, I believe that word circumspect also certainly were to walk carefully, but I also think it means the very obvious. Circum means around and spec means to see. All around us, people are watching us. We live in a fishbowl. If you're a Christian, you're in a fishbowl, whether you like it or not. People are looking at your life, and they're seeing if the validity of your faith adds up to what your mouth speaks. Because I can speak a great game, but it's when everything starts to fall apart, that's when the reality of my walk with God shines through. And we, 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 can't, uh, we just got to let him do it. Lord, do that work. Do that work in us, in me. Surprise me, Lord. Do the work, work in the basement of my heart so that when I am in that place, I can be, I can have the attitude of Steve Spazano and others, many others that are suffering too. But people are watching us and they're seeing what we're going to do. They're going to see if we're going to talk the talk. And it's important because if we don't practice what we preach, we will lack the authority and the credibility. So why would anybody listen to us? And let's just ask the Lord now. Say, Lord, prepare my heart for whatever comes ahead. Help me to always acknowledge you in the good times and in the bad. Especially in the bad, because when the good times, it's easy to acknowledge you. But especially in the bad times, Lord, help me acknowledge you. So how is it again that God might receive glory? Remember, as in John chapter 9, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And this is exactly what's happening to Lazarus. For the glory of God, this is happening. God waited. Jesus waited when Mary sent the message, You're, the, the, the one that you love is dying. And Jesus knew about that. And the Bible says that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He agapeo, agapeo. That's the the highest form of love in the Greek language. He loved them, but yet he just stood and waited. Really? You really love me and you do that? There's a bigger purpose behind all of this. How is God, how might God receive the glory and your malady, and your illness. Well, when God does the miracle, and the cancer is found when it was consuming you, and now it's gone. When the doctors are all confounded and telling you to go home and get your affairs in order, and then God does a miraculous healing, and then he gets the credit and not the doctors. And I've seen this happen. In this church, people have gone and had x-rays. All of a sudden, whatever it was, was gone. They've had the blood work and it's gone. People have been praying and something has happened and it's gone. These things have happened. God is glorified. God is glorified. Turn with me to Job chapter 1. You know this event very well. And let me suggest to you that Job is not an allegory. He's a real person. If you read the very last few verses of the book of Job, you realize that this is not an allegory. This is not a fake person. This is a real person that this happened to. Notice, there was a day when the sons of God came to present... This is verse 6, excuse me. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered and said, Well, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord, notice, the Lord said to Satan... 
Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on all the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And so Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job... Job. Get a job. No. Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the man's work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, you know, it's, can I just say something? It's never good to challenge God. It's folly. You'd think that Satan would know this. I mean, he, Satan is a created being, by the way. He's not equal with anybody, okay? God is all-powerful. Satan is a created being. That's true. It's biblical. We can look at that. He's a created being. He knows that God is omniscient. So what, him challenging God, this is the insanity of sin. When sin gets a hold of a person, they, they, they don't think right. It's insanity. It's insanity. That's what it is. And Satan is insane. Touch, you touch him, touch his possessions, and he will surely curse you to the face. Ah, and God is going, oh, you think so, huh? Well, I know something that you don't, Satan. I know Job's heart. You can't see his heart, but so be it. The game is on. Now, that may make you feel a little awkward, but God allows us to, be, to go through things, and perhaps that conversation is being held in heaven when Satan approaches the throne of God and says, Have you considered my servant Rob? Yeah, he's an idiot. <laughs> and I'll show you how much more of an idiot he is. I'll let you, you know. Things happen to you. Could it be that the Lord is allowing it to reveal something, to allow your life to be on display? that God might be glorified, just as in Lazarus's life, that God might be glorified? Because I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm confronted with a circumstance or something in my life. I don't know how I'm going to respond. I really don't know. If anyone here thinks that they know exactly what they're going to do when something happens and their response to it, you better go back and pray. Because <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised at how little I know myself. I can talk a big game but when it really comes down to the brass tacks, I find, oh my goodness, I, I didn't think I was, I, I wasn't as brave as I thought I was. I didn't have in me what I thought I had. And God allows us, see, He knows that. I don't know that, but He allows things to reveal that to me so that I can be humbled. And then I come to Him and I say, Lord, I, I don't have anything. Help me. And He's like, oh, Rob, I knew that. I knew that all along. But there's no other way for me to reveal that to you than to allow you sometimes to be confronted with these things. I don't enjoy it, but son, do you understand? Daughter, do you understand? There's just no other way. So I have to allow it that you might know. So the balance of the chapter, Job loses all of his livestock. His, all ten of his children are killed by this onslaught of Satan through various physical means and supernatural means. Now turn with me to chapter 2, verses 1. It says again. Now, this is again. So Job, he, all these things happen, and he did not blaspheme God. So Satan comes to the Lord again. And it says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, and the Lord answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth 
uh, on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Again, have you considered him? Look at him. You've taken everything away. Have you considered him? Consider him again. Take a closer look, Satan. There's something in this man that you don't see. My relationship with him is much more solid than you think. He's a blameless man, an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and he still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered and said, Yes, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your hand, but spare his life. Notice that he's on a chain He's not a free agent to just go out and destroy. No, he has to go by God because all, every, every person belongs to God ultimately. And only the things that God will say, I will allow it, but to this level and no further. And he has to obey. God, can, God has the ability to trump him. He has the ability to checkmate him very quickly and very easily. He is on a leash. He is not a free agent to just go about destroying So Satan went from the presence of the Lord, and they struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd, which to scrape himself when he was in the midst of the ashes. And his wife, notice this, what a comforting wife. Why don't you just, why do you hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Thank you, honey. You know, you're just the epitome of a Proverbs 31 woman. Such a wonderful, just full of joy and exuberance and always encouraging. (laughs) Curse God and die. Let's get this on. Just die. Love you too, sweetheart. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Notice, in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. God knew the faith and the character of Job. Job didn't even know it, and certainly Satan didn't know it. So God used Job's life as he's going to use Lazarus' life for his glory. He used Job's life for his glory as well. All the calamities, all the sickness, all of these things, God was going to reveal his faithfulness and his healing and also put Job's faith on display for all the angels to see, for Job himself, the demons, and Satan. And Job had this wonderful testimony in chapter 19, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. And here, and this is kind of interesting to tie in with what's going on in Lazarus' life, because now Job is, is prophesying of something that hasn't even occurred yet. Job was aware by the Spirit of God that there was going to be a resurrection, that Job himself would stand in the presence of God with a new body. Not in the flesh that he had that was decaying in front of him, but he knew that he would spend an eternity in the presence of Almighty God in his flesh, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Doesn't your heart yearn for Jesus? I am ready. <laughs> There's nothing on this earth that I'm like, oh, Lord, don't come yet. You know, young people, you know, teenagers are like, you know what? I don't want the Lord to come yet. 
I want to go to school. I want to graduate with you know, magna cum laude. I want, to, I want to have that really high-paying job and drive that nice car. I want to know what it's like. I want to be married and maybe even have kids. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.